Morning. Thanks so much for making the choice to be here this morning. See, you could have chosen to do anything. You know, uh, in, with your morning, a lot of people choose different ways. And sometimes we don't even think about our choices. Sometimes our choices are made based on habit. Sometimes they're made based on bribes. You know, sometimes uh, they're made out of guilt, you know, in order to come to church. But some way, somehow, consciously or not, you made a choice to be here. And so I appreciate that. And more importantly, I think God has something in store for you as we continue our time together. In fact, uh, isn't it true that so many uh, of our decisions, uh, we make uh, choices all the time. Thousands of decisions are made, consciously or not, that have ramifications, that have repercussions, both good and bad, on the choices that we are making. Now, how many of us, if you're going to be honest, have ever made a financially unwise choice in your life? Raise your hand. Okay, look around. I just want to make sure we're all on the same plane here. All of us have made financial choices that are not uh, uh, good in terms of the outcome. Now, I asked this question on social media. What financial choice, looking back, would you have made differently if given the chance? Here's what I wanted you to notice. Those of you who are in your 20s, early 30s, and especially those of you who are in your teens, pay attention. This is words of wisdom who have gone before you because we're all a bunch of idiots and we don't want to make the same mistakes. We don't want you to make the same mistakes that we did. So this section right here is actually more for you than it is for many of us who've gone through this. So again, what were some financial choices looking back that you had made differently if you were given the chance? Uh, Terry wrote, um, you know, buying those cheap plastic wraps. It's a waste of my precious time. Okay, so don't do the cheap plastic wraps. That's a good financial you know, decision there. Uh, Dina said uh, to start saving for retirement when I was in my 20s. You never think about that when you're in your 20s, but just even a little bit. It's something called compound interest. Go ahead and research that online, and it really pays for itself. Gary said, I would have invested in Google rather than Enron. <laughs> so you guys are like, what's Enron? You know, so Google it. You know, uh, you'll, you'll actually have, have a good time with that one. Um, uh, Brandy said to never have gotten a credit card, to make that decision, to not get a credit card. Uh, Mandy said, not buy that timeshare, okay, the timeshare. More recently, not use the credit card for Christmas in 2018 as I still have a balance, not a typo, not 2019, 2018, used it for Christmas, wanted to make it a fun Christmas, and she's still in 2020, still paying off what she made a decision for in 2018. Aaron said, the amount of money we spent on our wedding, okay? We were young and we paid for or charged everything ourselves. Keep it simple. To which Scott, you know, her husband responded, but you were so gorgeous in that dress. <laughs> well done, Scott. Well, well done, touche. Wesley said, uh, not jumping at the chance and giving in to the hype to buy a condo and living in Las Vegas in 2006. So your first mistake is living in Las Vegas. But anyway, <laughs> thinking I'd instantly make money, $106,000 dropped to 16K in just a few years. Yep, I'm one of those people everyone read about during the recession. Tough financial lesson to learn. Uh, Jenny said this, I was too good for used things in my early 20s. 
We lived in an expensive apartment and financed new furniture. Would love to go back in time and have a little chat with young Jenny. <laughs> right? Uh, Claudia said, I wish my parents would have taught us about finances growing up. Now, again, all of these so far are reflections of dozens of other people who said something similar. And just so you know, you know, as a church, we are trying to resource those of you who are parents to help your kids now. Because here's what I can tell you. If you can instill some of the attitudes and behaviors and the choices, especially when it comes to resources, now it's so much easier for them as they get older. Just talk to somebody who's never done this before and then is trying to do it now because you get in habits. And so we have some, some stuff for you as you leave if you've not yet received that in our kids' area. Uh, Amy said, uh, I would not have quit my job just to make a move for work for a company to make more money. That wouldn't have been the sole reason to move, was just to make more money. Scott said, instead of getting $40,000 in student loan debt, I would have gone to a trade school to be a plumber or electrician. Think about the debt. Think about the long-term consequences. Samantha said, I wish I would have cared about budgeting in my younger years. I knew nothing about it and enjoyed getting whatever I wanted. I live a much different lifestyle now thanks to my hubby and Dave Ramsey. Assume those are two different people. Uh, but Adam said this. Adam wrote one of my favorites here. He goes, that brand new car we bought while attending Financial Peace University. And then he throws his wife under, under the bus. Then my wife parked it around back so no one knew. So for several weeks, he would come. No, you parked that over there. Don't let anybody see if I did what we did when it comes to a new car. Uh, by the way, we offer Financial Peace University uh, twice a year. And if that's the uh, next one is coming up in February, maybe that's the one takeaway. You know, for some of you to instill, what does it look like to live a debt-free life? What does it look like to get out of debt? You know, some of those things. So we want to offer that, you know, to you guys uh, if, in case that is something that is a help for you. Now, personally, I know that I have made some poor financial choices in my past as well. Uh, one of those uh, being, and those of you uh, who are a little younger, um, I use something called a checkbook. You know, you might have to Google that as well. Uh, but I didn't know how to balance it. And so I would write checks whenever there was somebody who needed a check. Uh, and I would get these things and these you've overdrawn and pay more and all this other kind of stuff. Not real wise, you know, along those lines. Uh, I remember uh, doing kind of a tit-for-tat conversation with my wife. She got, one time she got a new table, you know, for our kitchen. And I said, well, if you get a new table and I get something too, I'm going to get a car. So uh, I, I went out and bought, you know, a brand new Toyota Tacoma, all the bells and whistles. And four weeks later, when we got the bill for that first month, it was buyer's remorse. Now, luckily, I'm pretty good at negotiating, so CarMax, thank you for bailing me out you know, on that one, turn that one back in. Uh, when we moved to Arizona, we actually got financial advice when we moved from Sacramento to Arizona around 2006 that said, buy as big a house as you can because the appreciation is just skyrocketing you know, in this market right now, not realizing, but seven years later, trying to you know, uh, short sale and then eventually foreclose on our home in order to follow God's lead to come up to Post Falls and subsequently here. We were one of those people. We just bought in to some financial advice that wasn't really wise at the time. But my, my favorite actually comes from Mike, you know, who said these words, when I think back of all the years worrying, I wish I would have trusted the Lord more, as I do now. God is an amazing provider, especially when he's helping us to spread the gospel, which is the good news of Jesus Christ. So as you know, we've been in this series called the ABCs of Financial Freedom. 
And it's been based on this book, more importantly, based on God's word, about how do we become financially free. And as a reminder, this guy who wrote the book, Barry Cameron, will actually be here on Super Bowl Sunday, you know, to give us a great encouraging message that I hope that uh, you'll make sure you make a priority to not want to miss. But remember, this series has always been about something that we believe that God wants for you, not something that we want from you. And so hopefully, even though you might have been challenged and may have pushed on some buttons, because this is more of an emotional conversation than it is a logical conversation because it deals with our money. And our money tends to be geared towards our heart, which we'll talk a little bit more next week. Understand again, we believe this is for you and this is not Valley Real Life's way to get stuff from you. And so again, we're going to be challenging you in God's way of doing this. But if you think it's so that we can get your resources, we're going to challenge you to give just give to another church. We don't have a problem saying that because we really want you to know this is what we believe God says that he wants for you. Now, he wants you to experience freedom, but that word freedom doesn't come about in the ways that we think because we're Americans. See, in America, freedom means we need to fight for it. In God's economy, freedom actually means surrender. And it doesn't make sense. You're like, wait, 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 no, no, I need to fight for my freedom. God says, no, no, you need to surrender. And when you surrender to me, you then become actually free, which is just weird for us to kind of uh, uh, come to grips with and then actually put into practice. But let's talk more about choices for just a second. How important are choices when it comes to a fulfilling and meaningful life? How often do we make choices or help other people make choices, friends, family members, coworkers, neighbors, kids, to say, think about this before you make this choice because this choice has consequences, both good and bad. Because here's what we know. The best choices start with a goal or plan. It does. And the Bible talks about it. It says, where there's no vision, the people perish. What the Bible means is, if you just listen to the way that the world is trying to sell you on something, you will find yourself just tossed back and forth like a changing tide or the winds. They just go back and forth and you'll just be so upside down if you just allow yourself to go back and forth. But if you have a goal, if you have a plan, I know we have New Year's resolutions. They'll be like, I don't make New Year's resolutions. Don't call it a resolution. Call it a goal. Call it a plan. Then if you have a goal or plan, you make choices in order that has consequences in order to achieve that goal or plan. Does that make sense? Let me give you just a couple quick examples. Like if you say, I have a plan to lose weight this year and be healthy physically, okay? Then you would have to make choices of today, what will I choose to eat and will I choose to exercise? Those would be two basic choices and they have consequence that lead you on a path towards better health, okay? Maybe the goal, I, I, I can tell you even for me, uh, when it comes to even that one, uh, as many of you know, I, I, I was... Uh, involved in the half Ironman this last year. And I worked so hard towards that goal, what I ate, how much I exercised, that kind of stuff. But as soon as the goal was done, I never wanted to exercise again. And I needed a new goal. It's so easy just to then all of a sudden be like, well, I'll just eat this, a little this, a little this. Man, it goes quick, especially if you're my metabolism. And so that's a new thing for me. So, okay, I need the goal. I need the plan. So uh, uh, for you, maybe you want to be a good spouse. It doesn't happen by accident. If that's a goal that you have, then you have to make a choice of what are you going to do today that's going to give you a chance to accomplish that goal. 
Maybe it's a text message of I love you. Maybe it's a date. Maybe it's a, a, a time to sacrifice. But it's going to have to happen intentionally towards your goal or plan, and it will have consequences. Maybe you want to be a good father or mom. You've actually got to do things, right? You've got to sacrifice. You have to you know, get up a little bit earlier. You've got to show up to their events. You have to help them with their homework, ask them questions, all choices. And as a consequence, you're becoming a better parent. Or for those of you who want to be a great employee or a good student, right? Let me, let, me, let me help you with this. Show up on time, right? If you actually show up on time, that is one choice that leads towards a consequence. Do your work. Do your homework. Do the best that you can. Do a little bit extra. Why are you doing it? If you don't remember the why, you'll find yourself just being tossed back and forth by what your friends think or work environment, whatever it may be. You have to have a goal. The Bible says it this way, you reap what you sow. You reap what you sow. Our choices have good or bad consequences that not only affect us, but affect those around us. So here's the goal. The goal is to grow in your faith and trust in God through Jesus Christ. That's your goal. Question is, is that your goal? I can tell you that's your goal. I can hope that that's your goal. I can try to convince you that's your goal. But until you say, no, 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 that is my goal. So in your heart and mind, is that one of the main goals that you have in life? You have to answer that. And if so, then what do I need to do? What choices do I need to make in all areas of my life to accomplish that goal? So when it comes to our resources, if our goal is to put our trust and our faith in God, what does then God say about choices that we need to make that will lead towards accomplishment of that goal. So for example, do we choose to do things God's way when it comes to the resources that we have? Resources that you're given, that's a choice you have to make. Consequence, you're gonna be on your way to becoming financially free and growing in your trust and your faith in Jesus Christ. And so in order to do new things or to have new goals in our life or to be reminded that this actually is the goal that I have for my life, then we all need to make choices. Some of them need to be new choices. In fact, if you have your Bibles, turn to Proverbs chapter three. We're gonna look at verses one through 10. Because here's the reality. No matter what you've been told, and no matter who has told you this, the truth for most of us is that living with relentless financial pressure of bills, the burdens, and the bondage of debt are consequences of our own choices. Not for everybody, there's always exceptions, but for most of us, we are living in our own consequences. And so we can choose to make some different choices today, right now, that will affect tomorrow as it pertains to this goal. Now, here's what we're gonna talk about. Three things. Remember what God says, trust what God does, and honor who God is. That will help us to accomplish the goal. So the first one is remember what God says. In Proverbs chapter three, Verse one and two, it says this. My child, never forget the things I have taught you. Store my commands in your heart. That's the choice. Remember, you have a choice. Will you remember the things that God teaches and will you store those commands in his heart? Notice the consequence, the result. If you do this, here's what will happen. You will live many years and your life will be satisfying. So here's what God is saying. Remember what he says. Choice, spend daily time in his word, 
Get to know his word, maybe memorize scripture, commit to coming to services on a regular day basis. Many of those choices that you get to make on a regular basis. As a consequence, as a result, as a promise, you will live many years and they will be satisfying. Choice, consequence. He's giving you the path. He's not going to make you. He's not going to make me. He's just providing the direction. Speaking of which, verses three and four. Never let loyalty and kindness leave you. Tie them around your neck as a reminder. Write them deep within your heart. That's the choice. Here's the consequence. Then you will find favor with both God and people, and you will earn a good reputation. So what he's saying is daily wake up and say, God, who do you want me to love today? Who do you want to love through me today to show kindness and loyalty? That'd be one choice that you could make. As a consequence, you will find favor with God and others, and you will find yourself having a good reputation. So he's providing the path. Choice, consequence. So remember what God says. Secondly, trust what God does. Trust him with what he does. In verses five and six, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do. All those are choices. Consequence, promise, he will show you which path to take. So trust what God does. Here's the choice. Daily pray, God, your will, not my will today. I got plans and agendas, but I'm going to trust and entrust myself to you as you lead my day. As a consequence, God will show you which direction to take in life if we submit ourselves to him. Trust what God does. Seven and eight. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Then you will have healing for your body and strength for your bones. So trust what God does. Here's the choice. Trust God more than your own wisdom. Trust God more and begin to honor, to revere, to fear him and turn away from evil. If we do those things, those are choices, then a consequence is that you and I will experience healing in our body and strength for life. God does this all throughout scripture. He gives us choices that we get to choose whether or not to make, but we get to live with the consequences, both positive and negative, on whether we'll follow that choice. So lastly, remember what God says, trust what God does, and honor who God is. In verses 9 and 10, it says this, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce, then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. You see the choice? Do you see the consequence? The positive there. See, that word honor, though, in, in the Hebrew, that's what the Old Testament is written in, it actually means to weigh down, to weigh down, which sounds kind of funny. But a theologian named O.S. Hawkins says it this way. It's like a king who is weighed down with all the accessories of royalty, the crown, the robe, the train, the scepter, the medallion. When we honor God, it means that we are weighing him down. We crown him Lord. We literally are declaring him king. So what the writer is saying here is declare God king over your wealth with the first fruits of all you have. Then you will have way more than you ever need. See the choice? Do I honor him with the resource? Do I give to him what he says needs to be given back to him? And as a consequence, as a result, we begin to experience financial freedom because he will supply what we need and then some. That's what sounds funny about all this. Wait, no, 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 no. For me to actually have a financially fulfilling life, I need to control. I need to fight for. And God says, no, you need to surrender and you need to trust me, and then you'll experience the freedom in which you're actually looking for. And it doesn't make sense on the bottom line. That's what's weird about all this. Because here's what I know. Uh, many of us don't give to God 
And we definitely don't give the 10% or more back to him because honestly, we don't think we can afford it. We pay through everything we think we owe and we get to the bottom line like, well, here's what's left over for God. Now, let me show you uh, kind of a cheesy video. I know it's kind of cheesy, but I think it makes the exact point of the reality of many of our lives on a regular basis. Go ahead and watch the screen with me now. How much do I owe you? Oh, I saw the house. Oh, thanks. Thanks. Gracias. Oh, I couldn't. Well, maybe just a bite. Don't forget the interest. in 10 minutes. Can I get it to go? He brought the pizza. And that is exactly what has played out in many of our lives. We get to the end, and we're like, well, God, we don't have much for you. Yet what's interesting, if we were to be really, really honest, is most of us frequent coffee shops, we frequent places to go out to eat, and most of us are under the expectation, because we love our servers, that we give 10%, 15%, 20% or more 
in a tip, and yet we struggle to even give that much to God who supplies us with the ability to make money in the first place. And it doesn't make sense at first. It really doesn't. And I understand that. It doesn't make sense to say, hey, I, get to the, I don't know how I'm going to afford it. But there's something that happens differently when you say, God, you supplied this. You gave this to me. Let me give back a portion of you. Not because you need it. This is actually a benefit for you. Remember the goal to grow in your trust of God through Jesus Christ. What God knows about resources is it can have a hold on our lives where we begin to trust our resources more than we trust the God who provides the resource. And so we put our trust in that. So God says, to help you accomplish the goal, I'm going to ask you to give back to me a portion of what I've already given to you. And by releasing, you will actually find freedom in and through it all. The choice is clear. Honor the Lord with our wealth, with the first fruits of all that we produce. If we choose not to give our first fruits, if we choose not to give the best part of everything we do, we are making a choice not to honor God. It's not me. It's what God says. Uh, in fact, uh, those of you who are Dave Ramsey fans, this is what he says. Uh, Dave Ramsey in his book, How to Have More Than Enough, says this. If you are not tithing, giving God the first 10% of your income, start today. Make your giving the first check you write at the top of your budget. Have you ever considered that perhaps your failure to honor God off the top of your income is one of the reasons you have been struggling financially? You may be thinking, tithe? How am I supposed to give away 10% of my income when I can barely pay my phone bill? Then get rid of your phone, but don't rob God. Don't shoot me, shoot Dave Ramsey. He's the one who said it. Sometimes people will say, but Dave, Dan, come on. I know the Bible, and we don't want to get legalistic, you know, about this whole 10% thing. You know, the New Testament, you know, uh, doesn't seem to say a lot about this. That's an Old Testament, you know, expectation. And I would say, you're right. It is an Old Testament expectation. In the New Testament, it's higher. It's always greater. In fact, Jesus taught us how to choose to honor God with our resources. He starts this sermon back in uh, Matthew chapter 5. We just finished a series called The Why Behind the What. And in chapter 5, do you notice that Jesus says, I've not come to get rid of the law. I've not come to say the Old Testament, throw it all out. He says, I've actually come to fulfill it. I've come to fulfill its purposes and meetings. And then he goes on to go through a series of, of you've heard it said in the Old Testament, and he never lowers the bar. Like he says, hey, you've heard it said, don't commit murder. And anybody who commits murder is going to be subject to judgment. And then he says, but I say anyone who is angry is going to be also under the same kind of judgment. You're like, what? What are you talking about? He raises the bar. And if you're like, what, well, what does that all mean? Go back. We've got messages to help you understand the context of what he's trying to say. Or you might have heard him say, hey, you've heard you know, it say you're not supposed to commit adultery. He goes, but I say, and even if a man looks at a woman lustily, he's already committed adultery in his heart. He raises expectation. You've heard it said, you know, you can give a, a written, you know, certificate of divorce. And he goes, then I say, you know, if you divorce a person, except for marital unfaithfulness, you're actually causing that person to commit adultery with the next person that they're with. He raises the bar every single time. So if Jesus is always raising the bar that causes us, the reason he does it is to cause us to grow in trust and dependence on him, then what does he say about this idea of tithing? You'll read in Matthew 23, 23, it says, What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law and you Pharisees? You're hypocrites. 
For you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income of your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. You should tithe, yes. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. He's saying, I'm gonna raise the bar. You think it's all about tithing, but what's more important is faith, justice, and love. You've missed that part. So you should do both, but I'm gonna challenge you to raise the bar in that. Now he says a lot more, Jesus says a lot more about resources when it comes to our heart and connection, which we'll talk more about next week. But let's be honest, it's just basically comes down to a choice, right? A choice to trust God. In Malachi chapter three, he says this, should people cheat God? All right, back to the pizza illustration. He's the one that provided, that's why he's saying cheat. Yet you have cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? See, in that day and age, the nation of Israel, they were looking to their own needs to be met first. They had built their own houses. They had established themselves. They were looking out for their families. They're thinking about the next generation and their own family and their lines. They're thinking about themselves. And God says, whoa, 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 whoa. Who provided all of this in the first place? So he challenges them. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, see, there's the choice. Now, here's the consequence. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great that you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. The only time in all of scripture that God actually tells him to test him. Could it be you know something about money and resources hold in our lives? Your crops will be abundant and I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of heaven's army. See, there's choices and there's consequences when it comes to financial freedom in him. Many of you were here last week, some of you weren't, but I thought the best illustration of this was actually Sandy uh, and, and Dwayne Franklin, and I want you to listen or listen again, just pretty carefully, but I want you to think with this lens. Listen to the choices and listen to the consequences on both ends. Go ahead and watch the screen with me now. When I became a young Christian, you know, tithing and, you know, giving to God, and I was doing that, I was giving, but it wasn't with a cheerful heart. It had a control over me, and I was trying to control it. So, with that being that, I wasn't, I was robbing God. And I didn't realize it until later on, I I was actually convicted of it. At that time in our lives, we were just trying to make ends meet. And um, we had a lot of uh, medical debt and I wasn't paying attention to really what we had. We were just trying to pay bills, um, paycheck to paycheck. And I don't know, one day I went to the bank and started looking a little bit more at our account. And it was like these tithe checks weren't being cashed. It was being cashed directly to to my account yeah and that's when I had to confront Dwayne and and ask him about that so I believe that's why we struggled when we struggled Mm -hmm. and then when that heart change Mm -hmm. happened it was like we said it was freeing yeah I think God allowed for that struggle to be there to get our attention I think he does that yeah he does that intentionally I mean he's we have to find you know we have to seek him so once I started doing my own getting to know God, you know, we talk about know God or really knowing God and understanding that, that it all belonged to Him anyway. It was just I was to become a good steward of it. 
So what it did, it, it changed my attitude and it changed my heart. And then once I was able to give and give with a cheerful heart, it was a total, it was a total transformation. It, trans, it, it transformed our marriage, it transformed everything. It's now I was on the right page, so to speak. So with that being that, it was, it was total freedom. I hope you hear it clearly. First, choice, and then consequence. And then I can identify here was a choice and here was the other consequence. See, the joy in giving, it doesn't make it easy. I don't, want to, I don't want to say any of this is easy. Just like it's not easy to be a good spouse, a good employee, a good student, a good neighbor, a good friend. It's not easy. You have to make choices that go beyond yourself, but you see the consequence of that over time. And when they made that choice to say, you know what, my choice is I want to grow in faith and trust in God. And in this case, as it pertains to resources, and look what happened in our lives. We received so much blessing. Now, blessing doesn't always mean financial, but you hear what he said? Gosh, our marriage got better, and our relationships got better, and things begin to happen in our lives. That's beyond, which is proof of what God says is his consequence in a positive way when it comes to honoring him. It's not my words, it's what he says. Honor him and he will. Test him and he will. This is the choice and then this is the consequence to experience financial freedom. You see, the greatest thing that you and I can do to turn our financial situation around is to make the choice to start trusting God and to begin to tithe. To begin to tithe. And again, if you think it's about our church, give it to someone else's church to be able to do that. But allow this to take place in your life because this is what God wants for you that he wants you to experience. Now, as always, the choice is yours. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for today, for the chance just to be challenged, to be encouraged. Father, for some of us, maybe this is just a, a coming back experience that we've kind of fallen off how easy it is because we lose sight of the goal and the plan and other things, uh, shiny objects and such, come into our minds and eyes and allow us to kind of get off track. Help us, Father. If that is us, Father, maybe there's others in this room, Lord, that you would help lead to do this for the first time. Lord, it's hard to take that first step to make a decision and a choice. Allow us to trust in you. And God, for the rest of us, I pray that most importantly, we put our trust in you. Knowing it's not even about resources, it's about our relationship with you more, more than anything else. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.